Welcome to this afternoon's Daytime Dialogue. Today, I think we have a guest from the furthest location we have done so far. We have the great honor to welcome the Chief Rabbi of South Africa, Rabbi Dr. Warren Goldstein. Rabbi Goldstein uh, has done amazing things in our world, but also in the world of South Africa. He was the youngest Chief Rabbi who was ever appointed over that committee. He was the first South African, native South African, to serve in that role. And many of us know Rabbi Goldstein either because of his writings or probably more likely from the extraordinary Shabbos project that he created. The Shabbos project that he began in South Africa and took throughout the world. And uh, his face, his voice has been heard all over the world, encouraging people to keep Shabbat and uh, I, it is truly a pleasure and a privilege for us to welcome Rabbi Dr. Goldstein to our show today. Thank you for being here. And uh, thank you, Rabbi Matanki, and thank you for the very warm and generous words of introduction. It's such an honor and a delight to be with you. I have such fond memories of our time together when I was visiting Chicago and seeing your wonderful school and uh, and, and the beautiful community that you've built. So it's. It's really an absolute honor and delight to be with you and also have great admiration for your work um, in your community, but also in your position as the head of the RCA and, and so much that you, you've done on a national level uh, in, in, in the United States. So it's, it's such an honor to be with you. Well, thank you so very much. Rabbi Goldstein, I just want to jump right into things and try to understand a little bit more about the community that you had and the initiatives. And then I want to go over to the Shabbos Project for a moment. I understand there's about 80,000 Jews in South Africa? Uh, yeah, so, so that's, you know, um, this, this question of how many Jews in a country, it's always like an, an interesting one. I think it's probably closer to 60,000. It's in, it's in that region. 80%, um, 85% of whom live in Johannesburg. Um, and then in Cape Town, there are about 15,000 Jews. And then the rest are spread uh, across the rest of the country. That's, and in recent years, in the last several decades, is where traditional day schools were started by your predecessors. Was, was Rabbi Harris in charge of opening those day schools or did it precede him? No, no, it preceded him. Um, he, he served, I, I began as chief rabbi in, on 1 January 2005. He had served for the 17 plus years uh, before that. And um, no, the, the, the Jewish day school movement in South Africa is, um, is, is much older than that. Um, and it's, it's many decades old. In fact, um, I stand to correction now, and maybe it's a fi I should know the exact date, um, but it's at least um, 70 years old. Oh. And it's, um, uh, you know, in, in terms of the, the, the very first Jewish day schools that, that were established. And I think to me, that's one of the most, um, it's interesting that you, you, you start on that question because I think it, it's such an important one. To me, uh, one of the most important distinguishing features of South African Jewry is the fact that 85-90% um, of the, the Jewish children in our community attend a Jewish day school. Um, and, and, and to me, Jewish education is it's everything, as I'm sure it is to you. I mean, you run, you know, you, you have your school and, and schooling and education. Uh, children have to have the, the knowledge, the pride, the understanding, the connection, to what, uh, to what Torah is, if they're gonna have any chance of uh, leading an inspired and committed Jewish life. I know that I, I believe that under your leadership actually, 
you've also intensified options for students, that they're able to learn Gemara, that a wider range are able to do more textual yes. study also. Yes, because also, <clears throat> just to understand in the context um, you know, of, of South Africa, um, we have, uh, you know, in, in, in Johannesburg, there, there are many um, Torah day schools, which are, you know, have, have a very intensive uh, Kodesh department uh, and, and, and have many hours of Kodesh in the day. Um, and then we also have um, big day schools, which are um, part of, um, for example, I'm the honorary president of the Board of Education, which controls the King David schools in, 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 ja in Johannesburg. The King David schooling system has, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, well over 3,000 uh, students in the schooling system across all of its schools. And uh, so one of the, the, the programs that I initi initiated in King David, and then also in Herzliya, which is the, uh, the schooling system in Cape Town, and it's you know, very similar, also large. It's, uh, there, there it has just under 2,000 students, Cape Town being a smaller community. And what we instituted there was the Beit Midrash program, where in, in high school, the students have an option to choose. Instead of doing the regular Jewish studies, they can um, elect in the Jewish studies class to do things which are, which are text-based in a Beit Midrash atmosphere. So it's not only text style, it's not only engaging in text, but it's in the style of learning. Instead of a teacher standing in the front of a class teaching a row, rows of desks, it's actually a, um, it's, it's actually a, uh, a, a Beit Midrash and they're round tables and they're learning in Chaburas and they're in having discussions. So some are learning Chumash, some are learning um, some are learning Gemara and there are different, different options within it, but it's to give like a real engagement with Torah learning, which is not passive learning, kind of Western style frontal learning, but engaged learning, you know, uh, yeshiva style Torah learning. And in the community, we have a lot of former South African Jews in Chicago and they were a very tight community. So I remember when the Chazan um, Asha, Ashi Tugendorf, I think, Tugendorf yes. came yes. to Chicago on a number of occasions for concerts. He filled auditoriums with yes. South African Jews who live in Chicago today. There was a very tight community. Is that sense of connection also present in South Africa, or is it only when they go into the diaspora of the United States? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's very... It's very prevalent in South Africa. I think that's also, uh, it's, it's, it's so interesting. Your, all your questions are spot on, if I may say, because um, you, know, you, you identify Jewish education and, and now you're identifying the other unique feature of South African Jewry, which is the sense of community. And, and the sense of community, it's a sense of, well, you know, we, we're together as a community. And, and to me, the idea of kehila of Jewish community is, is so vital because um, we, we live in, a, in an often a very segmented world. It's not just in the Jewish world. The, the whole world is segmented and, and divided and factionalized. And, um, and, and people, the concept of community in the world is under threat because, and I know that, you know, America is now in the throes of a very uh, divisive um, election campaign for for president and there's really a sense of well you know if, if you you know republican or democrat or who you're supporting for president that that is so sensitive that it's almost can can republicans and democrats be together in the same community and can you know biden and trump supporters uh, be together at the same shabbos table you know and 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 so the, the concept of community in the world is is under is under threat 
And, and I think community is all about building a, a, a sense of cohesion and a sense of common purpose, even when there are differences amongst us. And, and I think that that's so important. One of the things that, and, and I don't know how, how, how it, it occurred in South Africa, but, but somehow we, there, there is this, and, I'm not, and, and it's not that there, we don't have our fair share of, of divisions and, and faribles, you know, that, that Yiddish, that, that beautiful Yiddish word to, to describe it, it's almost untranslatable. But there's a sense that you can have one shul, which could be a, um, a shul where you could have um, observant and non-observant, in the same shul, some who keep Shabbos, some who don't, but they're members of, of, of the same shul and they feel that they're part of the same community, that, that sense of Jewish communal identity and, and the fact that we're all in this together and that there is an entity called Am Yisrael, I think that is so important for our times and it's something which I treasure within the South African Jewish community and, and do everything in my power to nurture. And in terms of the future generation of uh, South African Jewry? Are people staying? Are young people staying? Is it a sense of security? Are the people staying connected? Yes, so, so I think the, 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 the course is a um, very important and, and uh, spot-on question, if I may say, because, and even the way that you phrased it, 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 it really relates to, to different things. The, uh, on the area of security, so it's something that, um, that I was involved in um, a number of years ago. Um, I think now it's 13 years ago, we established a thing called the Community Active Protection Cap, which was set up, set up with, a, with a group of, of community leaders, volunteers, and, and then we established a professional organization, which today is a, secu it's a security organization that both does a proactive patrolling as well as uh, intelligence gathering and all kinds of things. And it, and it has... Um, it, it now protects more than 250,000 people in the city of Johannesburg um, and has brought down contact crime between 80 and 90% in its areas of, uh, of operation. So, so it, it serves it, it, both the Jewish and the non-Jewish community. Yes, yes, because you see, when you're in neighborhoods, that, that's also part of why it's called community active protection. You have to protect the community. And um, we know how, you know, Chazal, um, our sages direct us, and this is um, su such an important Torah principle, which is that we need to look after all human beings. You know, it's, it's that beautiful idea that Rav Soloveitchik says about why we read Maftir Yonah on, on Yom Kippur, one of the reasons. It's, it's a reminder that we're not just interested in the tshuva and the repentance and the good deeds of Am Yisrael, but we, we look for all of the nations of the world. So I think that, that's, that, that's a very important uh, kind of broader vision of, of society. And it's something which, which I work at all the time. So for example, before Yom Kippur, I just um, uh, uh, published an article in the Sunday Times in South Africa, this, this Sunday, Erev Yom Kippur, um, talking about the relevance of Yom Kippur for the, for the country. And I was addressing it in the context of the um, allegations of ongoing corruption against the, you know, the, the, the government and saying that, because the president has come out verbally um, to condemn it, and 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 you know, it's very admirable. President Sarama poses um, verbal, you know, rejection of it. But my, the point of my article was to really say, quoting from the Mishnah Perkavos, that emor um, ma'at you know, that there the is a sense of it's time to do. We need to see convictions. We need to see prosecutions. But I, I think what I'm saying is, <clears throat> Torah has a message for Am Yisrael for sure, and you know, Shabbos is obviously something which is so precious and unique to Am Yisrael, 
but Torah also has a message for, for, for the world. And, and, and we need, you know, we, we need to, to share that so that that can be a Kiddush Hashem and, and, and make the world into a better place. So and just to get one more question about the general community, we just finished Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. How many of the 60,000 Jews of South Africa were in shul? Would be, would well, you see, this is a different year because of COVID. So okay. <laughs> uh, we, we were operating under, uh, and I must, I must say this, uh, our, our community has been remarkably uh, disciplined, for which I'm very grateful. I, um, when, when we went into hard lockdown at the, um, in, in the beginning of, of Nissan, just before Pesach, um, our shuls, we actually closed our shuls just before the president put the country into hard lockdown. And, and then... He took the country out of hard lockdown at the beginning of June. I must say, President Ramaphosa has really dealt with the situation in, in, in a very outstanding way. But then he allowed for the reopening of places of worship. And there was a huge debate in our community. Should we open our shuls? Shouldn't we? And I had weekly meetings uh, with all of the Rabbonim. We had Zoom meetings with Rabbonim across the country. I assembled a team of top expert doctors. Um, we had um, on this team, we have on this team, Professor Barry Shub, who is the head of the founding director of the National Center of Communicable Diseases in South Africa, Professor Ephraim Kramer, who's a specialist in mass gatherings. He was actually the head FIFA doctor for the Russian World Cup, um, a, a South African Jew, and, and then Dr. Richard Friedland, who's the, the CEO of the Netcare Hospital Group, the, 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 you know, I think the largest private hospital hospital um, group in the country. All three of them are Shoma Shabbos Jews who, who, who uh, have, have Yerash Shemayim and, and assembled them as the team. They, they're national experts. <clears throat> That's the Kiddush Hashem. You've got three um, Torah Jews who are national, recognized national experts in, in the field. And I said to them, look, we, we need, if you're going to say we shouldn't open shuls because it's, it's not safe, we need an objective criterion for when we will be able to reopen. So we formulated that. I shared that with all the shuls, um, got the rabbis on board, and we, and, and we waited. And everyone waited patiently uh, until the numbers of new infections dropped so dramatically that it you know, fell below, the, the rate of transmission fell well below one. And then we started reopening gradually from Rosh Chodesh El. It was like, you could almost feel the hand of Hashem as he guided it you know, on time for Rosh Chodesh Elul that we reopened and then with, with um, um, social distancing, you know, with masks, very careful, limited numbers. Initially, you know, the government only allowed 50. Now the government has allowed, you can have, as long as you've got social distancing, so you can have, you know, half of what you, the capacity that it can take um, to a maximum of 250 indoors and 500 outdoors. But, uh, you know, we, we, the requiring two meter circumference around each person uh, you know, with proper temperature taking before, track and trace, you have to book before coming so that there's proper screening. And, and, and I must say, um, we've just come out of Yamim Noraim and with the reports that I've had from the shuls has been unbelievable. The, 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 the kind of discipline, you know, mask wearing, distancing. And I think this is such an important thing for our times because this is our mitzvah, our mitzvah now is pikuach nefesh, you know, we, we have to be, we should be so, have every chumrah in the book, you know, and people are always looking for chumras. He, he has an opportunity for, for real chumras, you know. Why do you think, you know, whether it's in Israel or in the United States, uh, the Jewish community, as you refer to it as the Torah community, is divided. There are those who are very machmir about many things in life and very 
lenient mekil about COVID. And then there are others who are much more machmer. My shul is similar to what you were describing, but when I look at uh, other communities, we, we now know in New York, the five communities with the greatest rate of transmission and outbreak are all communities that are heavily Orthodox Jewish communities. Um, why do you think South Africa was all together on that? See, also, I'll I tell you what, what I do think is this, and, and um, in some way, look, I don't know the United States, and I can't comment on, on those kind of figures. Um, I do think that what's unfortunate, let's say in Israel, we have follow, you know, you know, been able to follow the news more carefully, is that um, <clears throat> when, when things become politicized, then, 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 there's, then there's always a, a danger with that. And I think there has to be a sense of, and I think as the Jewish world, we need to move beyond um, titles and, and labels for different groups of Jews. And we need to say we, we're all in this together. Um, because also, like in, in Israel, I think what's been so um, painful, you know, from, from a sense of Achtus of Am Israel, of the Jewish people, has been the sense of, you know, some in the society blaming religious Jews, others blaming secular Jews. And, and, and I think that, that um, many of the Rosh Hashivas, for example, in Eretz Israel have come out very strongly, you know, encouraging the Talmudim to, to be extra cautious. So I think that one needs to be careful not to label, well, they the kind, or this is the kind of person who will or won't uh, abide by it. But I think that the sense of, and this is what I was saying before, the sense of kehila is very important. So, so when, when we're having these meetings with Rabonim, it's Rabonim across all of the Hashkofas who are coming together. And, and, and what, what I really try to do is foster and nurture the sense of, well, we're actually all part of one South African kehila. And, and, and let's try and work together. But of course, these are, you know, these are things which are, are deeply ingrained in a culture. Like for example, in South Africa, uh, we have one Kashrus Heksha, we have one based in. So, so, so that, there is that that's sense. part of the culture. Well, also, but I think, yes, Chicago has, has a strong Tsurasakahila as well, I believe. Yeah, but we, we're, unfortunately, we even had shuls that had an extra machitza this year where there was the mechitza on the men's side for the men who wore masks versus the mechitza for the men who didn't wear masks. Yeah. Um, we invented new things, but uh, it's interesting because your own background, the yeshiva you learned in is really, from what I understand, is a, a tells type of yeshiva. You're a religious Zionist, you're uh, university educated, you have a very um, wide range of connections. So what you see, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I think what's so important is not to, uh, I, I don't believe in labels. So, um, uh, and, and that's, that's sort of, that's the way that I, I, I live my life. Um, I learned that from my Rosh Hashiva, uh, Rabbi Zriel Chaim Goldfein of Blessed Memory, <clears throat> um, who was a Talmud Muvak by uh, Rav Mordechai Gifton, the Tel Zushiva in Cleveland. Um, and Rabbi Goldfein came to South Africa to, to establish a Yeshiva Gadola. Um, in fact, his, his chaver, it was actually his levaya today. Uh, my Rosh Hashiva was nifter um, more than 10 years ago, unfortunately, at a, at a young age. It was a big loss for me personally and for, for our community. Um, and, and he came to South Africa because he had a chaver in, um, in Tells who brought him to South Africa. His chaver in Tells was um, Rabbi um, Avram Chaim Tanza. Um, Rabbi Tanza, who's the Rosh Hashiva, who was the Rosh Hashiva of the Yeshiva College campus, which is the biggest uh, campus uh, in, you know, in the community. And um, he 
also a, a graduate of Tells came, uh, came to South Africa. In fact, Tells sent him to South Africa. Uh, Rav Motel Katz, the, 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 of, of blessed memory, the late Tells of Rosh Hashiba, who, you know, whose family was wiped out in the Holocaust, and he rebuilt you know, Torah, him and his brother-in-law of Eliamea in, in, in Cleveland. He one day in 1962, he came to Rabbi Tanza, who was, was, was an Avreich in, in, in the Kolo, and he said to him, they need an associate Rosh Hashiva in South Africa, in Johannesburg, and he said, will you, will you go there and start to Yeshiva? So he, he's Leviah today. And, and he was a Chavrusa with my Rosh Hashiva in Tells. And, and they, um, they sent him off to South Africa. He said, but it's so far. So he said, look, if I was offering you a position in Seattle, Washington, he said, would you take it? So he said, yes. He said, well, then once you're in the plane, just keep flying and you'll go to South Africa. <laughs> so, so, so he did. And he came and he, and he came and, and he writes in his book. He said, well, you know, they, they, uh, they, they, they forgot to mention that, you know, the Yeshiva College was, uh, was a B'nai Akiva Yeshiva and, and, and they sent him there. Because, and this is the point that I want to say. I don't, I don't believe in, in titles. I think we, we, we need to find a way of, of bringing together. Um, and I know, it, I know it's not simple. And in some ways, maybe being in South Africa, there's, a, there's an advantage of a certain naivety. We can just say, look, I don't know, you know, so it's... Let, let, let's try. Let's as let, let's try and move beyond these labels of Haredi, modern Orthodox. Let's just say we, we we all we all want to be connected to the Torah. We all want to be connected to Hashem. We have different ways of expressing it. Let's let's um, let, 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 let let's find a unity and move beyond the labels so that we can we can embrace one another. I think that is actually the perfect segue to the question of the Shabbos project which you created. Uh, which is extraordinary. Um, this past year, how many people do you think participated worldwide? Do you have a number on that? Yeah, well, look, um, the, the, the interesting thing about the Shabbos project is that it's a people's movement. And so by definition, it's very devolved to the ground. So that means, and when it started in South Africa in 2013, we had no idea that, and, and no intention at the time to make it a global project. I was discussing with my wife, and we announced it to the community in June, and we were calling for the Shabbos project for that October. And we didn't even have a logo. We didn't even have a campaign or ideas. We just said, listen, let's all keep Shabbos together. And then we just worked it out on the hop. And we thought, look, if, if I remember my wife saying to me, if 10 Jews will keep Shabbos as a result of it, in South Africa, it would be Dayenu, that would be enough, it would be amazing. And, and then, you know, the community that year, we actually did surveys afterwards, um, close to 80% of people uh, in, in, in the community uh, participated in one way or another in, in, in the Shabbos project, many of whom were keeping it. And, um, and then it just spread all around the world. And uh, over the years, it's now, they're now Shabbos project activities in more than 1500 cities and 100 countries around the world. And the beauty is that people just take it on themselves and they do it. And some people, uh, many people, um, you know, keep a whole Shabbos, full 25-hour Shabbos. And that's a big message of what we say, that it's a gift. It's not something we want to, you know, be shy of saying. We, we say, listen, it's an immersive gift. It's an unbelievable thing. And um, so, so we've got more than 6,000 volunteers in these 100 countries all around the world who work in their communities um, to, you know, to, to, with, with different things. Some places do um, Shabbos meals and others do have dollar concerts and many people keep and some do chalabakes. And, and many people do things we, we don't even know of and only find out about, you know, even years later because 
it's really we, we we spread it out we reach you know on facebook we you know we reach um, millions of people on 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 facebook and um, and and so the message is getting out there and people are picking it up and and running with it and doing everything and and so we 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 have no way of tallying everything but but we have like a sense of the um the 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 the, the scale of it um and and i think that you know this year it's obviously going to be different because you know, it's not going to be a year of big color bakes and uh, and 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 um, big Shabbos dinners and all that kind of thing. So actually, our our messaging this year is uh, Shabbat, bring it home, and 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 to say make a Shabbat project at home. And and I think that's also it's an opportunity that Hashem is giving us because in a certain sense these the, these big events are very inspiring and and bring a great amount of unity. And that's what we were talking about before the importance of unity. Uh, but it also, um, you know, we, we want people to have the sense of what is it like to keep Shabbos at home and make Shabbos at home. And, and this is where unity becomes such an important thing. A people's movement is saying that Shabbos belongs to every Jew, doesn't matter who you are. And when, I, when I'm in Israel, I always, you know, we talk, I talk about it there often when I, when I do interviews in Israel and say, you know, why do we have to define ourselves as religious or secular? Can't we just be Jews? And, and Shabbos actually belongs to all of us equally. Why do we have to say, if I vote for this party, well, then I'm opposed to Shabbos, and I vote for that party, then I like Shabbos. Shabbos actually doesn't, doesn't recognize votes. It, it actually belongs to all of us. Well, but you're being extraordinarily modest, by the way, in terms of the people's movement. It's true, a lot of people have jumped onto it, but I remember when you were first starting it and promoting it internationally, you were on the phone and the materials were coming fast and furious until people brought it in. So. Rabbi, I just want to make sure that anyone who's watching this understands that while there are a lot of, there may be 6,000 volunteers, there's one engine that's moving it. Maybe the engine is two parts, you and your wife, but it's the <laughs> engine, the engine that came from South Africa to make this project. And it's true, it's, it's been adopted by people in Chicago. There are people who are Shomer Shabbos who do it, and there are people who, this is their Shabbos of the year who do it. And it yeah. wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have had that Shabbos if it wasn't for your efforts. Yeah. And I think, I think the message of it, the reason I think that it has spread so far, look, I, you are right, it's been a lot of effort, and it continues to be, because each year, um, you know, we're we innovating and looking for, for, for new ways of, of, of doing it. And there's so many wonderful supporters in, in Chicago, many dear friends in Chicago who've, who've, uh, who, who've contributed to, you know, to make, it, to make it what it is. Um, but I think that, that what's driven it has been the magic of Shabbos, you know, that Shabbos is such an incredible gift. And there's also this great thirst for Jewish unity. I think that's the other thing that has, that has really fueled it. People are searching, are searching for Jewish unity. But what I wanted to say to you and, and, and to your uh, congregants and to all of those who, who are watching our discussion is I, I would really love for everyone to get involved in this year's Shabbos project. And, and, and um, that, that would mean, you know, go onto the website, shabbosproject.com, and, and have a look at the resources there and, and the different options which are available. Also, you can, you know, um, we're looking for more volunteers, more people to get involved, more people to speak to their neighbors and say to their neighbors, listen, have you tried this? Why don't you try this? And, and what we want to actually launch this year as well is a very interesting thing is to set up Chavruta Learning from the Shabbos project for like three weeks in a row to learn about Shabbos as a start, as a three-week um, introduction to what Shabbat is and the ideas of Shabbat. And then if people really enjoy that, then they can continue that journey. 
because I think that, that you know, when, when, when people start to learn the depth of what it is, both from a philosophical as well as a practical sense, I think that becomes something which, is, uh, which, which becomes so inspiring for them. That's extraordinary. We only have a, another couple of minutes. I know it is later in the evening for you, of course. Um, what, is, what is the one thing that gives you the greatest hope? You know, there's a lot of challenges we have in this world. Some HaKadosh Baruch Hu surprised us with and some have been developing. What's the greatest point of hope you have? Wow, uh, I, 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 tell, I love your questions. <laughs> um, I really do. You, you know, I tell you what for me has, has emerged over these months is a tremendous um, power of the Tzelem Elohim, of, of the image of God in every human being. Um, it's it's that, that real sense of resilience of the human spirit. Look what we've been through. As, as humanity, as Am Yisrael, over these last six months, our world turned upside down. And, and people go on and they uh, build their lives. And I think this is actually where, where Shabbos has such an important role to, pa- to play in the months ahead, um, because Shabbos is, is, is a way of, of really keeping all the beauty of what we've experienced over the, these last six months and casting away the pain. But, but to me, what gives me so much hope is, is, is the resilience of the human spirit. And uh, that I'll say about every human being and all of humanity, look, look what we've done. And I've seen that in South Africa, people in, um, you know, in, in situations of great poverty who, um, who, who uh, have, have really come through in, in, in such a, a, an inspiring way. And I see that also with Amisol as the Jewish people, what we've been through in the last six months, but what we've been through in, in the decades that have gone before and the centuries and, and that sense of resilience of, of the human spirit and the sense of resilience of the spirit of Am Yisrael, that means we have, we have a path to the future. You know, we, we, we need to have faith in Hashem for sure, uh, but we need to remember that Hashem has faith in us. He believes in us. And, uh, and, 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 and really, it's a partnership. What Hashem wants from us more than anything is to be his partners. That is the greatest compliment. It is that beautiful expression that our sages say that the, the scribe of Nasir Shutaf, like Kodesh Baruch Hu, but is to be a partner with God in creation. And they actually say it, the Mechilta that says it in context of Shabbos, that when you say Vayachulu at your Friday night table, you says Nasir Shutaf, like Kodesh Baruch Hu, but you become a real partner with God. So I would say going forward, resilience of the human spirit, resilience of Am Yisrael, the power of Shabbos, and the awesome privilege it is to be a partner with God in creating a better world. Rabbi Goldstein, it has been an absolute joy to have this conversation with you. I thank you for your time, but most importantly, on behalf of Klal Yisrael, I thank you for your leadership. It has made a difference. It will continue to make a difference. And may HaKadosh Baruch Hu grant you many more years of leading not only South African Jewry, but all Jewry worldwide, no matter what they are, but just plain Jews, leading them and making a difference in everyone's life. Thank, thank you. you. It's, been a, it's been an honor and a pleasure to be with you. And uh, I treasure our friendship and thank you so much. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. (laughs) Bye-bye, Rabbi. Thank you.